Now, I think most of you guys know my name is Kim Shepson. I'm the Eagle Kids director here. And when people ask me about my vision for Eagle Kids, it's this, that our kids will wholeheartedly love and follow God all the days of their lives. I hope they come into an initial relationship with God while they're in our ministry, but I really hope that they have this wholehearted, deep devotion where they will walk with God all the days of their lives. And this, I think of Norma Jean as the perfect example of this person. We are wrapping up our series, our sermon series on fasting and prayer. And so I think we're like in day 34, but this will be the last sermon on it. So it's been based in 2 Chronicles 7.14 that says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. This is our desire. So today, I want to talk about humility. How do we walk humbly with our Lord? And so I've titled the sermon, The Path of Brokenness. And it's not because I've had a lot of experience on this path. It's because I've spent moments on it, and I've seen the goodness of the Lord. Now, I know a lot of you know that I love the wilderness. I love hiking. I love backpacking. I love canoeing. But what you might not know is that years before I was an Eagle Kids director, I was a wilderness instructor. And so I would take groups of people on trips for 14 days in the wilderness, canoeing and backpacking, and then I taught college students how to do the same thing. Um, One of the things, and I loved it, and one of the things that we would do with our groups in the morning, each morning when we'd get started, is we would ask the student, the leader of the day, to come and we'd look at the map. And... Most of the time they knew where they were on the map, but sometimes they didn't. So we would have to show them, here we are on the map, and this is your goal to get to at the end of the day. And a lot of times we let them choose their path to get there. And in my memory, in all the years that I led trips, I do not remember one student who intentionally chose the hardest path. They always chose the easiest route. And I think it speaks a little bit to our human nature We will always choose the easiest path and the path of least resistance. And I think it comes to the Bible as well and to our walks with God. We want the easy things out of here, but we don't want the difficult things. And so sometimes we try to set those aside. Sometimes I think we want the close relationship with God, but we don't want full obedience. We want the powerful prayer time, but we don't want to wrestle with God in prayer. We want the blessings that God offers, but we don't necessarily want the sacrifice. In our Christian walks, I think we want those spiritual mountaintop experiences, but we don't want the perseverance and the struggle and the blisters that it takes to get there. And so today, I want to talk about this path of brokenness. If you are yearning for a deeper relationship with God, Scripture calls us to a way of humility. To go back to the verse in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people will humble themselves, then. We want to walk humbly with the Lord. This path of brokenness was the path that led Moses to the burning bush before he freed the people, before God freed the people from Egypt. It's the path that John the Baptist walked in the wilderness, and it's the path that Jesus walked to the cross and to his resurrection. 
that God doesn't call us to something difficult just for difficult sake in itself. He calls us because it's on this path that we will see God. We will experience his presence, his joy, and his love. And that's why he calls us to this path of humility and brokenness. So today, I'm going to let scripture be our guide, because if we look to our society on what does it look like to humbly walk with God, I don't think we would get a lot. So we're going to look at scripture. We're going to look at Isaiah and Hosea and look at Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, how he instructed his disciples. And so first, I want to start, if you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah 57, 15. This is going to be our launching pad. We're not going to stay a long time in it. So if you don't turn to it, it will also be on the screen. But Isaiah 57, 15, God says, I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. In Hebrew, this word for contrite means to be crushed means to be broken down finally as like dust. Psalms, it says in Psalms 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Now, I don't know about you guys. There is nothing about me that wants to be broken or crushed. But I tell you what, I want to be where the Lord dwells and I want to be near to the Lord. In 2020, it's been a really hard year for all of us. Whether we have felt the effects of COVID physically or family members have, I know that there's been illness that people have been struggling with. I know that there are people here who have lost family members. I know that for a lot of people, if jobs haven't been lost, jobs have changed so that maybe you're working harder, longer, with less pay. And I know in our society, there's a feeling of brokenness, and emotionally, it's expressed with a rise in anxiety, a rise in alcoholism, and a rise in abuse. But just because our circumstances are hard, it doesn't mean that we will be broken. We could have 100 years of 2020 and never have a broken heart. Because in scripture, when it talks about our heart being broken, it talks about our heart being humble to God and yielding to him. If you think about a horse being broken, it doesn't mean that its legs are knocked out from underneath it, but it means that its will is now submissive. And so that's what we'll be talking about today on this path of brokenness, not that we are crushed by our circumstances, but that our hearts choose to yield to God. Now, as I was thinking about this sermon and preparing for it, I, um, I thought about a lot of the hikes and the trails that I've been on. I've been in a lot of different places hiking, and I've, I've loved it, and I've been on some really hard hikes. But when I've thought about it, it hasn't really been the path that has made it so hard. It's been the weight that I've been carrying. So, for example, this summer, our family did the most COVID-friendly activity that we could think of, and that was to go backpacking where no one else was. So we went up to Isle Royale, and for a week, we carried all of our stuff on our back and hiked the whole island, and we had a great time. But when I think about the trail, that trail in itself wasn't necessarily hard. It was the weight that I was carrying on my back that made it hard. And I have a picture to tell a humbling story about myself, but this is of uh, Mount Albert. Two years ago, our family um, just hiked up this mountain, and it was a lot of fun. 
But as we got to the top, you know, you do all these switchbacks. It's the highest mountain um, in Colorado. And once you get up there, you see this beautiful scenery, all the mountains. So it was so worth it. But as we were doing these switchbacks up, my oldest son, Josiah, noticed that I was slowing down. And so he sweetly asked. He said, Mom, I'll carry your pack for you to make it easier. I said no. <laughs> like, I got this. I wasn't going to be humbled that greatly that my child would carry my pack. And about five or ten minutes later, he's like, Mom, you want me to carry your pack? Yes, please, do you mind? And so that picture that I showed of us smiling up there was after Josiah had carried my pack the last half mile up the mountain. And I think for us today in 2020, as we walk this path of brokenness, we are carrying weights that are too heavy and it's making it too difficult of a journey for us. So today I want to talk about some weights that we need to lay down. Because this path in itself is hard, but it's more difficult because of what we carry. Jesus told us, um, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God does not heap on us all of those weights. He asks us to lay them down and he will carry them with us. And so I want to talk about three burdens that we need to lay down as we walk this path of brokenness and this way of humility. And the first one is we need to lay down our hard hearts. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 5, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. I think in our society, in our culture, we do a terrible job of mourning and grieving. Whether we hear the pain of someone next to us or if it's on TV and, you know, in a different city, in a different state, in a different country, we might think about it for a moment, but we don't really grieve and mourn. And I think it's true when it comes to our own hurts and pains in our hearts. When we are hurt, our natural tendency is to shove it aside, to push it into the nooks and crannies of our hearts, to push it into a closet and close the door and never have to deal with it again. But God calls us to mourn. In Hosea 10:12, when God calls the people of Israel back to himself, he uses an agricultural picture and he calls them to break up the fallow ground for it is the time to seek the Lord that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. When scripture um, is talking about this fallow ground, and some of you guys know a lot more about agriculture than I do, so as I read about it, um, it talks about that this land was once plowed, it was meant to lie dormant for a little bit, but instead of just being a little bit, it, it stayed there, and it grew hard, and it got compacted, and then weeds came in and overgrew it, and so now nothing productive could grow in it. And God says, break up your fallow ground, for it is the time to seek the Lord. And so when he's talking about this hard ground, it's the ground of our heart that he is referring to, that we need to break it up. And so when we think about hardness in our heart, it comes from pains that we haven't dealt with, that we haven't mourned over. It comes from willful disobedience when we become hard to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and it, it comes from a deliberate choice to not forgive other people. So I invite you to ask the Lord, are there any hard areas in your heart that need to be broken up? Any wounds that need to be left before him that are becoming a weight that is too heavy to bear? 
I know for me and this, um, I think it's 34 days of prayer and fasting that we've been in. And prayer, one of the things that the Lord convicted me of was a hard place in my heart. And he gave me the picture kind of of a hard suitcase. And there were some pains that I've had that I decided just to kind of fold up in there neatly. It wasn't haphazard because I was gonna take these with me on a journey for my whole life. And I was just gonna kind of stuff them away. And kind of my mental agreement was, I won't let anything bad flow out of here as long as I don't have to deal with it. And I felt the Lord sweetly encouraging me to open those up and to let him rain down his righteousness on them, to soften my heart and to enable me to forgive and to lay those at his feet. And I invite you, if there are any pains, any hardness, that you need to leave before the Lord, it will make our journey a lot easier. The second burden that I think the Lord wants us to lay down before him is a proud heart. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 5, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of heaven, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We know what it means to be physically poor. You don't have enough to provide for your needs for the day. But what does it mean to be spiritually poor? I think that Isaiah gives us an excellent picture of this. Um, In the book of Isaiah, if you're not familiar with it, in the first five chapters, Isaiah is pronouncing judgment over Israel. So if I were a person in that time and I saw Isaiah who was speaking the word of God to the people, I would say that is the most righteous person that I know. However, in Isaiah 6, it says that Isaiah caught a vision of the Lord high and exalted, and he saw the seraphs singing before the Lord, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with his glory. And Isaiah, his response was, woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. That is a picture of brokenness. Isaiah knew that before the Lord, he had no righteousness of his own. And so my desire for us today is as we walk this path of brokenness and humility, is that we would see the Lord Jesus, um, in Luke 18, came to a crowd of people who, it says in verse 9, to some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told them this parable. And so Jesus is going to give a contrast between a proud person and a broken person. And what he tells them, and you can open up to it if you want, it's in Luke 18, but he says, there is a Pharisee and a tax collector who came to the temple to pray. Now, for me, the word tax collector has no emotional connection. But during that time, the tax collector was somebody who all day long was deceitful, did things that were evil, and never did any good. So in your mind's eye, if you can picture who would that be today, insert that into this story. So there was this Pharisee and there was this tax collector who did wrong. And the Pharisee came up and he prayed before everyone and said, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like any of these people and the tax collector. And I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I have. Now from the outside, this person would seem righteous. But then the tax collector comes up, stands at a distance, doesn't even look to heaven, beats his breast and says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. 
And Jesus tells them, I tell you that this man, the tax collector who pled for mercy rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the picture of the broken person. So today, if there's anyone here or online who might feel like there is something that you have done in the past or just recently that would keep you from a close relationship of God, with God, I want to encourage you about the tax collector who pled for mercy, and Jesus said he is justified before the Father. In Psalm 51, we see David who had the humble, the broken, and contrite spirit, and that was a sacrifice that was pleasing to God. I want to um, take a look at some things that might be applicable to us, and I'm indebted to Nancy Lee DeMoss. In 1995, she put together a series of statements comparing a, broken, well, comparing a proud person to a broken person. And so for the last 25 years, I've used this as a checkpoint um, that has always convicted me. And so if you want to Google it online or look it up, you can find it. And um, it might be convicting to you as well. But kind of in that same spirit, I wrote four statements for us to look at to just kind of evaluate how are we doing? Are we a proud person or are we a broken person? So I'm going to read these. I'm not going to say anything about them. So if you just want to think about them and consider, I know for me, there are days that I would consider myself in the proud category, and there's moments I'd consider myself in the humble category. We go between them. But let the Lord speak to you if there's anything that he would say to you. For a proud person, are you easily offended and quickly defend yourself whenever criticized? Or do you humbly receive criticism, consider its merit, and ask God to defend you? For married people, can you name the top 10 ways your, your spouse makes your marriage difficult, but, to, but struggle to name one or more ways in which you do? Or are you grieved over your own faults and apologize for them, even if your spouse never acknowledges their own shortcomings? For young people and teens, can you pinpoint every hypocrisy of your parents and let that justify your own sins? Or do you see your parents' faults, recognize that we're all accountable to God, and concentrate on how you can please Him? And this is for all of us in 2020. Are you confident you haven't contributed to racism? Or do you humbly ask God to reveal any racist thoughts or actions that you might be unaware of? As we think about ourselves between a proud person or a broken person, I encourage you to ask God to convict you. Is there any thing that I have done that's been sinful or any good that I have left undone. Because our pride is a barrier that makes us stumble on our path to brokenness and as we seek to see the Lord. He will reveal it and we can lay it down so that we can have a humble heart before him. The third burden um, that I believe that we carry is a self-seeking heart. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 5, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I think one of the hardest heart dispositions to maintain is a heart that is submissive to God. The definition of a meek person is somebody who relies on God and then who submits to his will. Jesus said that he was meek and lowly in heart. And yet one of the things I love is that we see Jesus 
wrestling with God in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew that his days were numbered. And I can just imagine for Jesus, there was probably more messages that he wanted to preach. He wanted to tell more people, I'm sure, about God's love. There were probably more miracles that he wanted to perform while he was on earth. And I'm sure there was more people whom he wanted to comfort. And so in the garden, as he wrestled with God in prayer, he prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Is that something that we can say in every area of our lives? Not my will, but yours be done. Whether it's with our our finances, our future, our desires that we have, or our possessions. I think of Abraham, who willingly was going to offer Isaac on the altar because that's what God asked of him. In Hebrews 11, Abraham had it figured out in his mind that perhaps God could even just raise him from the dead. Abraham knew that Isaac was the one through whom the promise to bless all nations was going to come, and yet he was willing to sacrifice him. He didn't know how God was going to work it, but he trusted. Are we willing to trust God? I know... um, I feel like there are times that every day we're going to need to submit to God's will. But there will also be times where there's crossroads where we have a bigger opportunity just to submit and to yield. And for me in um, in our life, one of those times was when Doug and I struggled with infertility. And we prayed for a long time to have kids. It was the desire of our hearts. And at one point... I remember praying and the Lord laid on my heart. And I know those are weird things to say that, you know, how God speaks to us. But for me at that moment, it was almost like just black, dark letters pushed in where I could see the sentence, if you don't have kids, will I be enough? I wish I could say that I was like, yeah, but I wasn't. I struggled. I struggled with a while for a while just with this desire because I really wanted kids. And if I didn't get what I want, would that be enough? And after praying about it, thankfully the Lord brought my heart to a place to finally realize I would rather walk the lowest valleys with the Lord than stand on the highest heights without him because he is everything. And I know that God might call me to more places and crossroads of surrender and of yielding ourselves to God but I know that he will also provide the grace to be able to walk in that path. God calls us to this path of brokenness, not just so that we will be crushed down, but it's so that we will know his presence, so that we will see him, that we will know his nearness, we will know his peace, and that we will know his forgiveness. But on this path, I know that we are carrying too much weight and we're holding on to the things that we love and hold dear. So he wants us to lay down those hurts, those wounded places in our hearts. He wants us to lay down our pride, and he wants us to lay down our agenda. When we want to be in control of everything, it's as if we want to be sovereign, and that is a weight that is too heavy for us to bear. God tells us in 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek me and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. The way on this path is what Isaiah 57, 15 tells us. 
that God lives in the high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly of spirit. And it's so that he can revive the heart of the, the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the contrite. This is my prayer for all of us, and I invite you, if you seek to have a deeper relationship with the Lord, to walk on this path of brokenness. I'm going to open us, or just close our time in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just yield ourselves to you, and I ask, Lord, that um, our hearts would be submissive to you. I ask, Lord, that we would yield ourselves in every way that you would come in and um, just bring your righteousness and your healing to those places of brokenness in our heart. Father, that our pride that we might lay down and our self-seeking and our reliant, self-reliant heart, Lord, that we would just yield to you. God, um, reveal in our hearts any sin that we might have, and I pray that you be glorified in us. In Jesus' name, amen.